Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Gabriella Yastra. My guest today will be talking about household managers. Hi, how are you? Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Gabriella. Uh, yes, indeed. I'm Louise Dunham, and for the last 34 years, I've run a household management and nanny agency. It's a recruitment agency. Great. Um, so the first thing we're going to get started with is some rapid fire questions. Um, so this is just the first thing that comes to your mind. Sure. Um, what's your favorite food? Raspberries. Um, what home appliance do you use the most? I didn't hear that one properly. What home appliance do you use the most? The microwave. You want the truth, I take it. <laughs> yes, we do want the truth. Um, I think it's good to... Um, you know, so that every, um, everyone is human and not perfect. That's me. Um, so uh, what are you reading any books at the moment? Uh, I'm always reading. I'm an ex-English teacher by qualification. So I always have one serious book on the go, one light book on the go, and a business book. I have just finished Rachel's Holiday by Marion Keys. That's my light book. Um. What was the last movie you watched? Belfast with Kenneth Branagh. Um, is there a podcast that you're listening to at the moment? I'm not right now, but I'm very fond of Julia Gillard's podcast, A Room of One's Own. I've heard of that. I need to get into that. It's true. Um, and do you have a, a role model that you look up to? I have an acquaintance or a colleague that runs White House Nannies in DC and we're of similar age, but I must say, yes, she is my gold standard of how to run a business. Um, uh, is there any, are there any courses that you've completed recently that you enjoyed? None that I can think of. I did a lot of webinars when we were in the midst of the pandemic, but on every topic known to man, I think. Can't think of one, sorry. That's okay. Um, and have you attended any events recently? Uh, yes, I go to events for the Recruitment and Consulting Association. Uh, I'm looking forward to their conference in Hobart in September. And I'm off to San Diego to the Association of Premier Nanny Agencies in October. But it's been a long time since events, given that we can't get out of the country or haven't been able to. Mm, I think, um, well, I'm certainly looking forward to being able to leave the country, <laughs> go somewhere else. Um, so we'll move on to the um, sort of uh, practice or habit um, section. 
Um, so, um, what's, uh, what's a practice that you have at home for, uh, sorry. Um, what is something that you do at home, um, to practice your home management? Well, you know, I'm a a grandmother now and I've learned a lot that I wish I'd known when I was young and I've really tried to get this one through to my six-year-old grandson because I know now how important it is. And I say to him when I see him, have you made your bed today, Reuben? And he says, hopefully he says yes, often he says no. And I say, and why is it important to make your bed as soon as you get up in the morning? And he says, because if I'm going to have a good day, it's made even better by the fact that I've made my bed. And if I'm having a bad day when I get home, at least I have made my bed. I live by that. That's excellent. Um, so what are three good things about this habit? About the bed-making habit? It uh, organises your day. It starts you off on the right foot. It means that uh, in a world where we've had little control over what's happening outside, that is something you've got control of. And last of all, it's a very little thing. It's not like clean your whole house before you leave the front door. It's a little thing you can control. How do you think that it impacts your home, your environment? Making your bed means that there is a part of your home that it's a little bit like when we provide household management uh, services for people. Sometimes we've gone into houses where there's been a hoarding issue and particularly if young children are involved, I always say start with the bed and the bathrooms and the children's area because you can't do it all at once. So it really is a matter of uh, uh, doing tasks and breaking them down into a, an achievable amount. So what exactly is um, household management? Well, household management is uh, it's certainly what it isn't in uh, 2022 is having home help or having a domestic servant, I hate those terms, It uh, household management, typically with the clients that call us, they're leading busy lives. They're going back to work two, three days a week. Uh, they don't want to be spending all their time looking after keeping things running. So a household manager will typically uh, cook for you, cook for the freezer, uh, be there when the when tradies need to be there. You can waste a whole working day waiting for the plumber to turn up. Anything you can think of. They're not going to renovate your house for you. They're not going to mind your children for you, but they can organise someone to do both of those. And household management at its core, and I'm not suggesting that people go back to reading Mrs Beaton. Uh, Mrs Beaton was a... a uh, a woman who wrote a book almost 200 years ago starts with the great opening sentences, first ca- catch your pheasant, and this is when you're preparing a meal. So we don't want to go back to those days, but I see it's, it's a modern tool for enabling people to get out the door. Um, so 
Why do you think um, home administration is important? I feel like I'm back in my home economics class now, 1969. Home administration is important because I think the pandemic has shown us we need to have clean homes, we need to have organised homes. Uh, if you have children, we need to model uh, good behaviour so that when they grow up they are aware that uh, um there are some things you need to do every day, just as important as cleaning your teeth twice a day. Um, and uh, what are some misconceptions about, about home administration? Well, if we're talking about employing somebody, the misconceptions are that anybody can do this kind of work. We have a history in Australia. I used to be a history teacher, so I'll try not to digress for too long, but we have a history in white-occupied Australia of convict women, Indigenous women, and then the free immigration schemes that brought out uh, uh, young girls from the Highlands, for example, and from Ireland, of having dirt cheap or free or exploited home help. Those days are gone, thank goodness, and uh, any household manager that is working is legally employed and is really valued by the clients. So what kind of person um, nowadays um, is a household manager? Well, interesting question. I'll answer that in two parts. Traditionally, a household manager, and we've seen a real growth in it in the last 10 years in particular, is someone that has had experience working as a housekeeper, say for hotels, had experience overseas, working in the same industries or working in villas, etc., or somebody that is just looking for a career change. Post-pandemic, we have seen an influx of quite senior public servants in some cases saying, I don't ever want to be in a political office again. I want to do a job that I know I'm good at and I can go home at the end of the day and put my feet up and know I've done a great job. It, the attraction is that these are problems that can be solved. And what kind of skills do you need to be a household manager? Energy, enthusiasm, integrity, intelligence. Hopefully you need those for all jobs. Uh, you are uh, like a nanny coming into your home. You unwittingly, uh, you might be working for a pathologist or a doctor. There might be things on their desk that it's probably best that you don't see. You could be working for a journalist. There might be things you shouldn't see. The person that is hiring you needs to have faith in your integrity, your sense of confidentiality, the fact that you're not talking about them regardless of whether they're a celebrity or we apply the same principles of confidentiality and integrity to all of our clients. Um, so I guess um, why do most people get household managers? So you were saying earlier it's um, they just want to get out and about, but um, specifically um, what types of people are, are hiring these people? 
Household managers are hired by people with the money to to that have the money first of all to be able to afford them, but uh, they tend to be people that are busy in their careers and uh, and have busy lives and need some help so that they can, uh, um, for example, if you're writing a book and you. You just can't get started till quarter to four every day because you're so busy cleaning up from the night before. Then it makes sense. It's a uh, attractive option to get some help. And I find it strange that there is this controversy about employing a household manager. And it's not just the expense, but the controversy is I must be really unorganized, really dirty really lazy, nobody else is getting this kind of help. And yet if it came to hiring a virtual a virtual admin assistant or something in your business, nobody would think twice about it. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I noticed I, I went on your website to see the sort of job ads for household managers. I've noticed that they often have children. Is that very common or are there other people who use household managers? There, there are lots of people. People leading busy lives need help. Uh, most of the people we speak to have younger children and I think that it's fair to say that post-pandemic we've been hearing from a lot of families where uh, the husband and uh, the wife or, or, the, or the partners are saying, we're not doing all this again homeschooling, parenting, cleaning up, working flat out. We're exhausted and there has to be a better way and we have come to the combined decision that a household manager will make our lives easier. And that's really what it's about, making your life easier. Mm. Um, so I guess during the pandemic everyone was having to do everything you know, for themselves. So look after the kids, homeschooling, cleaning, cooking. Why is that division of housework important? Uh, I'm not quite sure I, I understand what you're saying, but I have read some statistics that during the pandemic, the burden on women in particular was heavier and if you add children into that mix, that it was the women, particularly in Australia, that were doing more than their share of housework. Now, I'm not sure if anybody listening to this is going to jump up and down and say that's not true. And hopefully as we raise a new generation of parents, this won't happen. It was certainly the, the, the case as a baby boomer with my parents' generation and when I was raising children in the 80s. So would you say that the division of housework is important because um, it's um, feminist? Definitely. Housework is a feminist issue and uh, over the years um, I've spoken to other colleagues of mine that have trivialised the work that I do. Babysitting and uh, housekeeping is not a feminist issue. Well, I totally disagree and... Um, uh, the book Lean In, the chief financial officer for uh, Facebook said many, many years ago, you can't get out the door without great childcare. Well, you can't get out or in the door without some organisation in your home either. 
And who's going to do that if you're working 60 hours a week? Yes, um, very, uh, very true. So I know that you were involved in um, disputing, not disputing, but um, making, um, yeah, the legal employment of household uh, managers. So um, would you say that that's because people undervalue that type of work? Absolutely. Like a lot of women's work, it's underpaid and underappreciated, undervalued. Uh, household managers exist in a slightly different uh, space than where nannies exist. And we, we got into the field of household management having been well known as a nanny agency because so many people expected uh, when the baby was asleep that the nanny would whip up and vacuum clean the whole house and fold a whole lot of clothes and cook a meal and uh, wash the floor. And guess what? The nanny was exhausted and was entitled to a lunch break just like anybody else. Uh, but uh, um, nannies are now covered by two awards, whereas household managers are still not covered by an award. But uh, I, I'm a great believer that everybody should be employed legally and where what we're seeing now is the growth of the gig economy and lots of uh, websites that are really job finding sites, but they never involve getting paid legally. Mm. So you've sort of spoken on this a bit already, but um, can you tell us a bit about your company, Placement Solutions? Sure. So uh, it was set up in 1988. I was a uh, young mother and uh, a school teacher, and uh, realized that with family that were unable to help me, and I realized that I needed help. I originally set it up as a cleaning company, and uh, when we were, uh, I, I was because so many of my clients knew that I was an ex teacher, the business expanded slowly. So it was in the surrounding suburbs from where I lived in Melbourne. And uh, a particular person said to me one day, The baby's asleep in the cot. I'm just going to whip down the street for a coffee to meet a friend. Will that be okay with your cleaning lady? That was what she said. And I said, No, I'm not happy about that. And she said, why not? And I said, because your child deserves full attention. Vacuum will make a noise. You won't hear the baby. She won't hear the baby crying. And on top of that, she doesn't have a current first aid certificate or a working with children check. So uh, um, that's when we started differentiating. Okay. Uh, and... From that, it grew into becoming more of a nanny agency. It was maybe 10, 15 years ago we saw the growth of household managers again. Uh, I had spent quite a lot of time on a board in America, the International Nanny Association, and believe me, we often had these conversations. When is a nanny a household manager? When is she doing to she, he, want to get my pronouns right, uh, when is it exploitative? So I guess the background of the company is 34 years of wanting anyone in the domestic arena to be treated with respect and supported and appreciated and paid legally. 
So um, you say that the business started with cleaners, moved on to nannies and now household uh, managers as well. Um, is there ever an instance where sort of, you know, you can be, um, someone can be doing both of those roles at the same time, or would you suggest having separate people for each role? Uh, a nanny household manager is quite a common request and how that, and we've done many of those jobs over the years and where that typically would evolve, say in a job where there is a three-year-old and a four-year-old and they go off to the next year, four-year-old kinder and school. The family is very, very fond of the nanny. The nanny's very fond of them and she wants to stay in the job. And that evolves into a before care shift, an after school care shift and household management in the middle. That keeps her in a full-time job and we've certainly done a lot of those over the years. Traditionally, those jobs have evolved rather than uh, starting off that way. But that is certainly the way we push it. A lot of people say that really what they want is Mrs Doubtfire, if you remember that movie with Robin Williams, and what they really want is uh, uh, somebody that will look after the kids and do all the household work. Well, it depends on the... That can work with older children, but it doesn't work very successfully with younger children because, and I have to stress this, we have a duty of care as childcare workers to put the children first. Mm. Yes, very important to – doesn't matter if the house is messy so long as the kids are happy, I guess. And safe. Yes, and safe. Safe, yes. Um, so would you say you're passionate about providing home care services? I think I am. I'm still working full time. I uh, do hope to retire sometime soon and uh, – I, I did write a book called The State of the Nanny and I do touch on household management in that. Yes, I, I am passionate about the fact that women's work should be appreciated, it should be paid properly. And the other side of that is a recognition that families and women going out to work don't have to carry the entire burden by themselves. Would you say that um, as well as having a household manager, would you say that the burden should also be more fairly shared amongst all members of the family? Oh, I'm a passionate believer. We are all humans on this planet and the little ones that think that chores are something that uh, only the parents do or or those people that are coming in and being paid. I think that uh, I'm a great believer in children learning to do chores and not necessarily getting paid for it. It's because they belong in the family. So, yes, I apply that to everybody that's in the household. Do you have any good tips for how to get children involved in, in um, caring for the house? I think you start off the way you mean to begin, my best tip would be to recommend a colleague of mine who is known as Dr G 
uh, Deb Gilboa. She's based in Pittsburgh, America. This is not a plug for her. Well, it kind of is a plug, but it's a free plug. I get nothing for saying this. She's just written a book on resilience in the pandemic and the importance of adults in a child's life to model the kind of behaviour that they want to see in children. I'm being a bit convoluted here, but one of the things she says very, very clearly is that a two-year-old can start folding laundry. They, a two-year-old can put their own things in their own laundry basket. It may mean that a system that the adults have used has to be broken down into a more childlike system so that there's a red laundry basket for little Robbie and a blue for little Bruce, but uh, uh, that the major thing is to start them off and not with an expectation that you're doing this to get pocket money. You're doing this because you're a human who lives in this house. Um, are there any issues with hiring household managers? Oh, where do I start? Yes, you can't get good servants, as I think uh, the quote was in Mrs Beaton back two centuries ago. One, we don't like those terms and we're really, really... Uh, at Placement Solutions and in the worldwide nanny and household management industry, we're very particular about terms. We don't like the term babysitter. And it's not just political correctness. It's about appreciation. And uh, uh, can you repeat the okay. question? What are some issues with hiring household managers? Uh, the biggest issue in Australia and in America and in England are uh, thinking that anybody can do the job and paying them cash in hand, which means that the worker that you've got working for you is not able to join in society, not able to get bank loans and is not part of the tax system. That That is absolutely the biggest problem. I suppose the second problem would be, and this really borders into professional organising or decluttering, the more uh, disorganised you are, the more you believe that a household manager or a cleaner will come in and will be able to fix the problem in a few hours and that usually isn't the case, that it's easier to have a system and a process. And again, that's where household managers can come in and they can set you up with those systems. So I guess even if you're disorganised, the household manager will come and set up a system, but it's up to you to maintain it as much as it is the household managers? Absolutely. One of the best tips I ever got, which again is really more professional organising, Mary Ann Benny, now a retired uh, professional organiser, based in Melbourne, but, um, she wrote a book called Paper Flow. One of the best tips I ever read in that, if you're the kind of person that's really overwhelmed with all the home filing you have to do, and this is becoming less of a problem as everything's digitalised, but her tip was you get a very, very large A4 envelope and you put all of last year's tax receipts and and hot water bills, etc., and you just put it into the envelope, you mark it 2021 and put it away. It takes all the pressure off you and you've got a clean desk. Is that an effective way of um, filing? Worked for me, but there's less, uh, 
There's less paper these days, mm. of course, but, but then you need to organise it on your computer and that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yes, I have so many documents on my computer, I don't know what all of them are for anymore. <laughs> I'm sure that's the same for a lot of people. Um, so you said some of the, so the issues are, it's hard to find, um, household manager or no, it's not hard to find. It's, they are, you need to treat the household managers correctly. So you need to pay them fairly and you need to, um, you know, get them to pay, um, you know, pay them fairly so that they are paying tax and they're contributing members of society. So that is... And I guess the way to avoid that issue is to just, you know, um, go through the legal route rather than paying them under the table. A- absolutely. Mm. Or, um, or cash in hand. Mm. And uh, one of the striking things in the last 10 years has been the growth of the gig economy and the gig economy has got lots going for it. It's convenient, et cetera but it is shirking its responsibility as to who ultimately is paying uh, workers legally and correctly. And we're an industry that is caught up in that because we're an industry that has, as I mentioned before, traditionally been very much about uh, being paid poorly or, or um, being paid cash. And, and I think, and I'm not frightened to say it, it's because it's been seen as women's work. Mm. Um, and what's a common issue for household manage the, managers themselves? So what's something that they often come up with that's an issue? Uh, knowing where to start, uh, to start the job. Uh, knowing how to be tactful where they have uh, received the application with the list of what needs to be done. They've done the, this would be today, they've done the Zoom interview and then they front up for a trial at the house and find that the situation as it was explained to them is completely different, that there's no possibility of doing the laundry if you have to fight your way <laughs> down the hallway and through three rooms to get into the laundry. And um, in some situations, look, this happens rarely, but it's happened often enough that we've we, we've had to uh, um, send in trauma cleaners into a place so that it's uh, there, there are some situations we won't go into. So if it really is a a very very bad hoarding situation, I'm sorry to use that value term. Um, uh, then we need to keep our workers safe. So, uh, um, uh, and I guess the third thing that would hit household managers would be the crestfallen look of somebody, of a client who expected miracles <laughs> the first day. And again, that's uh, it's going to take a long time to do this for you. Mm. Um, how how do they uh, deal with that? If household managers, yeah, uh, usually they're talking to us. They're explaining uh, we've got some very, very experienced and clever household managers who would just say, "Well, I've seen that before. This is how I dealt with it last time." They need to be diplomatic, tactful. One of the things that is unusual 
for household managers and, again, for nannies is that they are in their workplace is the family's home. And typically when we are all in somebody else's home, we're a guest and most people are not rude. Now, we're not suggesting anybody should be rude, but it depends on your level of assertiveness and your level of bluntness and transparency, I suppose. And and we've certainly had some people over the years who haven't said boo and then have come to us and said, I don't want that job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Are there any other sort of questions that you uh, or uh, topics you'd like to talk about um, or anything that we've mentioned before but you want to speak about a bit more? Uh, Well, I would like to let the general population know that household management is a growth field. It's not a, uh, it's something that human beings are going to need to keep doing in a century's time and now. There are certain, just like cleaning your teeth, there are certain things you've got to do every day. But, But there are, not in Australia, but there are various schools and institutions you can go to and study. For example, there is the Marta Peroni method in California, which is a um, a course that you can undertake on household management. Uh, there's the famous uh, school called Starkey International in Denver, Colorado, and I looked those up before we were talking. I've received their emails for years, but their courses are currently $12,000 US for a month, live in, and you learn absolutely everything you need to know about household management etiquette estate management. Estate management is not a big thing in Australia. It is a really big thing in America and England. Um, They even train butlers, etc. And again, butlers are not a big thing in Australia. Yeah, when I um, was first thinking about this, I did sort of um, in my head imagine you know, very rich families in the UK with these massive massive houses and you know, the sort of estate type things, um, even like Downton Abbey is what I was imagining. Well, we don't have any Downton Abbeys here, do we? We have some fairly large. The busier your life is and the more properties that you are running, the more likely it is that you will have help. Most of our families in Melbourne and Sydney are led by successful women who are saying, I need help. So is it always the, um, so it's this, it, would you say that the rise of successful women is what sort of led your, the growth of the area as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Back in the 70s when I was studying at university, most women with children weren't in the workforce things there's been a revolution going on across the world but in in Australia for the last 40 50 years women are in the workforce and they need help has it grown in the last year I would say we for the first time in March this year had to put on a waiting list because we couldn't deal with all the genuine inquiries has there been an inc- oh I think you answered that has there been an increase in the number of people wanting to become household managers 
absolute boom times post-pandemic. And as I said, frequently hearing, we're not doing this again. <laughs> Homeschooling, working, keeping the house clean, doing the cooking, trying to eat well, getting the shopping done. We need help. Um, and I think with that has come an appreciation of the help that they used to have that they couldn't have during the pandemic too. So that's nannies, school teachers, <laughs> nurses, aged care workers. Um, another question I had was, so you said most of the families who are using your service are, um, you know, uh, very busy working families. Um are there any other types of families who maybe don't have the financial resources but still require the assistance? Uh, and that's getting outside the area of our agency. Of course, there there are there are vulnerable families. There are NDIS the people that need NDIS support, and uh, um, there are families that use council home help. Anyone who is in a situation where they can't do things by themselves and they want to stay at home, um, you know, we're, we're a country that encourages independent living for as long as possible. Um, and we do do some NDIS work to do with household management, but, again, most of our NDIS work is associated with early intervention with the children. Okay. Um, anything else you'd like? Growth area. Yeah. Anything else you'd like mm -hmm. to talk about? Any other questions? I think we've just about covered everything. Haven't yeah. We? Um, so now we've got some questions from the audience. Um, Terrific. so we'll just, um, do a couple of those. Um, and so question one is, um, how do you raise awareness that doing chores is a responsibility shared by everyone in the household? We talk about it. I think uh, uh, if that question is geared towards children, it needs to become a conversation as soon as they're around, <laughs> not, not sitting babies down. <laughs> Here's your list of things you have to do. Um, but as soon as they're walking, talking humans, I think that that's where we need to start. Uh, again, plug for my colleague, Dr. G, Deb Gilboa. She has done a webinar on this. We will be running it on our placement solutions site and the webinar is all about uh, resilience and working with children. And Deb would say, so to answer that question, Deb would say it can be as simple as using different words. Instead of saying, if you are going to help around the home, you use the word when. So you're normalising that behaviour for children. If we're talking about other adults in the home, I would say as soon as possible, right now after this podcast. <laughs> After they listen to the podcast, then you can have the discussion. Yes. Um, um, what should we include on the household chore list? It can include anything, bar renovating. There are some things that need to be done daily, some things need to be done weekly. So the first thing is you divide your chores up into what needs to happen today. What, 
to have a clean home. And I think maybe COVID awareness changed things forever with a group of humans who hadn't witnessed the First World War and the influenza pandemic and had forgotten about washing your hands when you come in from outside. Usually, I think that that's changed forever. Uh, but I would say you start off with a list. What has to be done? What is crucial that it's done? You have to eat. You have to sleep. Um, do you need to clean out your gutters every month? Probably not. Should that be part of, unless you live in a forest, I suppose, would, should that be part of a household chore? No, that that's outside work. It's not part of household management. Okay. Um, that's all our questions for today. Um, anything else you'd like to comment or share? No, it's been fun. And yeah. Uh, hopefully it's been informative. I've definitely learned a lot today. Um, so thanks for talking to me um, and it was lovely speaking to you. Um, and, and I enjoyed yeah. talking to you too. Thank you, Thank Gabriella. You. Thank you. And thanks for joining the podcast and have a great rest of the day. Same to you. See you later. See ya. You've been listening to On The House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.